It cannot be any more personal than that, can it? Amen. 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 God bless you. You can be seated for just a moment. We've got a baby dedication today. James and Sister Amanda, if they'll come and bring their son, we'll dedicate him to the Lord. Bring them in. Bring them in. Bring. Every day I get up, just waking up. <laughs> Let's just bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, as our brother and sister come before you today, they want to bring their little son, Lord Jesus. There's no better hands that they could place him into than yours. Truly, in this evil, dark age that we're living, we all need your help. Those of us that have children, to be able to raise them, to influence them, to teach them, to be able to love you and serve you. Lord, they want to bring your little son today to be able to not just put him in the hands of a preacher, but in the hands of God. We're asking you, Father, that you just keep him by your grace. If time would tarry that he'd be old enough to be able to know right from wrong, would you just move on his heart when he's tender and young, where he can be able to commit his life to you? Would you keep him from the evils and the sickness and diseases and darkness of this world, Lord? Dear Father, when you were here on the earth and they brought children to you, that you might lay your hands on them and bless them. Would you bless him today, Father? Would you keep him by your grace? We commit his life to you, Father God, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. I've got to preach now. You've got to go to mama. <laughs> Praise the Lord. What a great honor it is to be able to bring our children into the presence of God, isn't it? Amen. We're so blessed today to be called as people to be able to be identified with his great truths in this hour and know what the Lord has done and to be free, to be free. I love that song Harry was singing there. No matter how much we know about salvation and how much we could lay out the plan of salvation, still doesn't mean we have it, does it, until we know him personally. I'm glad today that we're not coming as a group, really before the Lord, we are a group, but we are individuals. And that's where each of us will stand before the Lord at that day as individuals. We won't send there's word of life and well, our pastor did this and the deacons did that, but actually as individuals, 
we will stand before the Lord. And whenever I stand there, and I know that I will, I certainly want to answer for everything that I've done with no regrets. Be too late then, won't it? I wish I'd have done this. I wish I would have done that. So while we're here alive and have breath and the opportunity, now is the time whenever we want to do our very best for the Lord. And we want that with all your hearts. Have we all failed? Absolutely. Every day of our lives. But whenever we lay down at night, this is the main thing. That you want to be able to say at the end of the day, Lord, I tried my best. And if I failed you, please forgive me. And help me tomorrow that I can do better. Aren't you glad his mercies are renewed? Not weekly, but every day. Where would you be if God only renewed his mercy towards you once a month? Oh, my goodness. Well, I'll tell you one thing. This is one preacher that will not be in the pulpit today. I'm so glad they're renewed every day. God bless you. I enjoy talking to you. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to speak to you. Let's just turn here today, if I can get my iPad to work. Number two. I think I'm about to buy a new one. All right, praise the Lord. Let's turn, if you would, um, to the book of Matthew. I've got two iPads and also have it on my iPhone. So when I get in trouble, I have relief. Anything that man makes, that's pretty much the way that it is, isn't it, where it can fail. Aren't you glad we're serving a God today that doesn't fail? Amen fall short of his glory for his people. Let's read together from Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, and then we'll also read in Matthew 17. Lord willing, Brother um, Aaron Oglesby will be coming by and being with us, um, Lord willing, on Wednesday night. He's speaking for Brother Ron Spencer this weekend, so we look forward to that. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. I realize these scriptures have been read for 2,000 years, basically, once the gospel became printed um, and was written where the people would be able to know it. And no doubt many people have quoted these and read them. Some believed it, some didn't. I trust today we are of the believing kind. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. I want you to notice now that he doesn't use that in past tense. He that knocks or knocked one time And that was it. But it's to them that knock constantly at the throne of grace. And you take, you don't take no. You don't take no for an answer. You just keep right on knocking continually. The door of mercy will open up because you will not be denied. Matthew chapter 17 verse 20. Again, the Lord Jesus, and Jesus said unto them, Remember, this is when they could not cast out this devil out of this boy, and they were really tore up about it. 
and they ask the Lord Jesus, why not? And he says unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as of a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now I wonder in reality how many of us just believe that one verse of Scripture today, that nothing is impossible to you. Then no matter what we ever faced, <laughs> I tell you, the devil would have a hard time with this, wouldn't he? Yeah. Nothing shall be impossible unto you. St. John 16, 24. Now remember the Lord had done much of the praying, much of the interceding, the preaching, the healing of the sick, a lot of the great work and this um, intervention of God coming down on the earth. So he must transition the apostles to where that he's going to be gone and they're going to have to do some of it. They've not really asked that much in prayer yet. They've not really went to the throne of God the way you do. You think they just prayed. They didn't even know how to pray. Remember, this is so new to them, they didn't even know how to pray. They said, Master, teach us how to pray. They didn't know how to pray because when they talked to God in the Old Testament, it's totally different than the New. So notice the Lord Jesus in St. John 16. Of course, those of you that are familiar with the chronological order of events and the crucifixion and so on, in St. John 14, Judas is left, and it begins there with Jesus conversing with the, the 11, and this is part of that. Hitherto you have asked nothing in my name. Ask. Now remember, they'd been with him all this time, and they had not asked anything in the name of the Lord Jesus. This was totally new to them. They didn't know how to pray. You have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. How many would like to be remembered today as we pray? God bless you. I have a couple of prayer calls here we want to pray over as well. Heavenly Father, as we come before you today with thanksgiving in our hearts and gratefulness, Lord Jesus, dear God, we realize as Gentiles at one time we could not even call upon your name and expect to be heard. But we thank you today that a price of reconciliation has been made and we have been set free from the bondage of sin and we're accepted in your presence. Father, I hold these prayer claws in my hand today. Sister Vetti, you see this need in our body, body, Lord, this other request. Heavenly Father, we're asking you that you would move, Lord, for this brother Dear God, as we bring our needs, and there was hundreds of hands that was uplifted before you today, signifying a desire, a petition, a need. Would you answer them, Lord, and grant them according to your will? I stand here so needy today, Father, to try to speak words of life, eternal life. Help me to get out of the way. Help me, Father. Shut my mouth to anything that would displease you. Open my mouth to the words and the way of life. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. And the saints said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. God bless you, brother. Welcome. I've been speaking to you for several Sundays on 
the Bill of Rights, truly as American citizens, we're grateful that we have a Bill of Rights. We're thankful that our founding fathers, although primitive in the foundation of it, but yet they saw that the people would need something to go by. Coming from England, coming from Europe, many of them coming from monarchy, and the king could pretty much do anything that he wanted to do, but they wanted to found something that had never been like it on the face of the earth, call it a democracy, for the people, by the people. Then afterwards, they designate this Bill of Rights, which was ratified in 1791. It's been amended several times, and it's constantly under each session of Congress that they will try to bring up different amendments and add to this Bill of Rights. So far, it's been good to protect us, to keep us from a monarchy, to keep us from a a wealthy, rich group of people which would try to control us. And so we are able to vote in our representatives, vote in our Senate, vote in many of the offices of the land, and which was unheard of uh, before this was brought to our country. And we're grateful for it, are we not? We can assemble here today and be able to worship because it's in our Bill of Rights. We have the ability, if we know of something that's going on, and we can march and petition, if that's what you desire to do. We can be able to voice our opinion against our government. We can voice our opinion against lots of things that goes on. And we're grateful for that because I wonder where a nation would be today if they had not have done so. To be able to voice their opinion against certain things that was done. And yet, we realize that with those freedoms comes a great price. And we just celebrated Memorial Day in memory of those who gave their lives. And we sit here today and say, we are free, and we are, but it come with a great price to others. Others uh, have given their, their limbs. Some have given psychology about their, you know, their psychiatric abilities. Some going to war would never return the same. Some paid the ultimate price, and that was their life. They did that so that we would be able to sit here today and be able to worship God according to the dictates of our hearts. I don't know about you. I appreciate that with all of my heart. And yet, we realize if our nation would have been founded on that alone, it wouldn't have been too much different than any other nation around the world. But our fathers, our founding fathers, believed that there must also be a religious right or a freedom of religion by which the state or the government would not be able to assign us to a certain church and if you're familiar with France and Spain and England, Portugal, many of the nations of the world, the monarchy was tied to the religion, so the king was also the head of the church. Well, you can imagine what kind of church he had. So if the king didn't go along with the doctrine or the theology, the king just wrote a mandate or sent a note to someone and said, hey, quit preaching this, I don't like that, stop this, stop that. So our fathers wanted the church to be separate from the government. 
thus far it's been able to maintain that. We know Revelation 13, 8, Revelation 17 tells us in the last days there will be a mark of the beast that will be ushered in and it will tie all of this together both civil, ecclesiastical, political, and religious power. Once again, the beasts will raise and it'll all come together again to be able to take away this right. But they're not the first ones actually to give us a bill of rights. Actually, Almighty God gave us a bill of rights. Now we know that God has created all men equal. And the church said, no matter what the color of your skin is, uh, we have people here today from Africa and people from Europe and people from different parts of the world, people that are streaming the service right now from Norway, from Greenland, from Iceland, all over Africa, different parts. And yet we are not separated because of race or creed or anything like that. But by the new birth, we belong to one family and that is the family of God. So the Lord not only come to the earth to be able to produce a new birth, but he come to give us something that was unlike anything that had ever been. Now in the Old Testament, we're familiar with God choosing Israel and giving them special blessings and special benefits that no other people on the earth had. In the book of Deuteronomy, God told them, you are a special people unto me. I've chosen you, I've called you, I've set you aside. And in that sense, they were the only ones on the earth that had received this from God. God calls his prophet Moses up to the mountain. They received the 10 commandments. There's not another people on the earth. The Hittites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, all, none of the other people on the earth were privileged to be able to have this. So God blessed this certain race of people, if you will, Abraham's seed. And God yet promised that there would come a time that he would merge both Jew and Gentile together. It could never be done under the law. It could never be done under the Bishnah or the Torah. It could only be done under grace. And today here we sit as the people of God from different nationalities, from different backgrounds, and yet belonging to one family, as I said, which is the family of God. In the family of God, it truly has a government. It has also leadership. So it's not like that the family of God is not under a leadership. That leadership is not man-made. It's not man-appointed. It is God-appointed. That's the way he started the church in the beginning. So he calls 12 men and he called them apostles. He instructs them of the new way. But that's not enough instruction. He leads them to the upper room and there they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The very life of God himself, which is Zoe, comes down and embodies these men. And not only them, but 120 were gathered there that day. And the Spirit of God is now going to take them and put them in divine leadership. They become the apostles and prophets 
through their ministry, through their personal teaching and admonition from the Lord Jesus, the New Testament church got its roots and its foundation. And the Bible tells us then that the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. But God knew that through time the church ages would lead the people away from this original foundation. So there'd be all sorts of organization, there'd be all sorts of men that would rise up and say, well, we've got the way and we're the way. And there'd be people all down through time would do it. And God knew that. But he promised in his word that he would restore the people in the last days back to the original faith of the founding fathers. Now, the founding fathers are important. I never got to see George Washington, of course. I never got to see Thomas Jefferson, any of those men that signed those original documents, but I am so glad that they did. I wouldn't be where I am today had they not done it. I never got to shake hands with Peter, James, Paul, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thaddeus, any of those men that were the apostolic fathers, but I'm so glad they gave their lives and stood up for the principles of what they believed was right, aren't you? And I'm also glad that down through the ages that God, in the days of the Reformation under Luther, that God started the beginning of this restoration in that great time frame when he had Martin Luther to knock the 95 Theses on the door of Wittenberg, Germany, of the church, and it started, as we know, the Reformation. And it was the beginning of God pointing back to the prophecy in Joel 2 that he would restore everything that those four stages of the worm had eaten. God promised that and nothing is going to stop it. So then come west, it was sanctification. Then come Pentecost in 1906 with the restoration of gifts. But God is all heading back to where the church will be back to like it was in the book of Acts. So, of course, many will not go that way because they do not believe, Hebrews 13, 8, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I believe it today. I don't believe that God used to heal. I believe he still does. I don't believe that God used to save. I know he still does. I don't believe that God used to perform miracles. We've seen him perform many right here before our very eyes. Is that right? So what we contend for is, as Jude said, earnestly contending for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Now remember the book of Jude was written around 66 A.D., So the church had only been founded a little over 30 years and already something had happened in the church that the writer Jude, which was the foster brother of the Lord Jesus, was commending to the people that they should hunger and thirst and desire to have what the apostles had 30 years prior. You think, really? In 30 years' time, they had already fallen and gotten away from the original apostolic doctrine. Well, here we are in 2023, then how much farther have we fallen away than they were 30 years after Pentecost. Is that the Bible? So Jude then is telling them to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Satan knows if a people will believe the original declaration of the gospel, then they will be able to act in the very stead of Jesus Christ and they will not only talk the talk of Christianity, but they will walk the walk. And Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils, right? 
St. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask what you will. St. John 14, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter which will lead and guide you into all truth. And we believe those scriptures, do we not? So one of the things that God wanted to do was make a restoration back. Well, that original church, they was not about politics. They was not about church entity of just putting your name on a book. They didn't have a church a church book, really. They did not have a, a fellowship where you'd come up and shake the preacher's hand. No, they prayed them through to the Holy Ghost. Well, that's what they taught. Well, that was the original apostolic doctrine. So with that, they knew their rights, their Christian Bill of Rights of what God gave them, what they were called to do. But it wasn't long, of course, until Satan started watching what God was doing and he wanted to mimic what God was doing. He tried to stand against this new church and bring persecution. But what he found out was every time he persecuted them, they grew, they got stronger, and they united closer together. So what did the devil want to do? He wanted to make his own church and make them look like and sort of act like and sort of talk like that church and then mingle them together so they would deceive or try to deceive those in the original church and make them believe that's not the right way. We are the right way, except you don't have to do this and do that and live that way. Well, he's been a great success in doing that through the ages. But God promised that he would restore back to that original faith. Now, what did they stand for? Did the original apostles, did they stand for denomination? Did they stand together and say, now we, uh, the holy apostles, we believe in the apostles' creed? There was no such a thing in the Bible. They never stood up and said, well, we believe that the church ought to do what the governor says and the church ought to do what the senate says. They believed the church ought to do what God said. It wasn't the governor that called the church. It wasn't the Senate that called the church. It was the Lord Jesus himself and he sent them out to do what? To continue his work. Is that right? When he sent out the 72 by two, what did he tell them to do? Cast out devils, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, and that's exactly what they did. Now this went on, of course, for several decades until Satan got a hole inside the church and began to bring all of these things in the church. But as long as they knew who they were and they had their ability, being born of the Spirit of God, to stand for their rights, they was absolutely undefeatable. Satan tried to burn them. He tried to destroy them. He done everything he could. He did it under Nero. He did it under many of the different uh, emperors of Rome until finally Constantine, of course, had the dream. And you remember the dream that he had when he sees that the world is going to be conquered. And in the dream, he saw the sign of a cross. Well, then Constantine did something that the world probably thought was a great thing, and that was that he wanted to make Christianity the state church of Rome. Now, we know that you don't do it that way. You don't make people Christians because they're Americans. There's only one that can make you a Christian, and that's the Lord himself. We can, we can pray for you today, we can try to lead you to the Lord, but there ain't nobody here can make you a Christian but Jesus Christ himself. 
So, and this is where, of course, that they took and they painted the, the sign of the cross on their spears and all that sort of thing, and they went out conquering. Was that what God called the church to do? Absolutely not. And a bunch of them was nothing but murderers. It's no wonder that the Muslims resent them to this day because they done wicked, evil things under the sign of a cross. The Lord Jesus never told us to do such. He said, go make disciples, not go cut their heads off. Praise the Lord. Go make disciples. Don't go out there and try to blast them and do all that sort of thing. And of course, we know then that it was Constantine's mother. I don't know if you know this or not historically. It was Constantine's mother. A few years after Constantine had this dream that his mother goes to Jerusalem and she goes to Galilee and she goes to all the different sites where the Lord Jesus supposedly walked. It was through her that many of the religious sites to this day are established such as Gethsemane, the Garden of Eden, Golgotha, many of those places that are established because she went there and supposedly found out where they were. But when you go there and you look at some of them, you realize there's no way they could be there because they're inside the city gates. And the Bible says he suffered without the gates. So here it become established. Then Christians started making what they call pilgrimages. So they would go to Golgotha, they would go to the tomb here, they would go there, and this become the icons or the relics of Christianity. Now what were they doing? They were replacing a new birth by a location. Well, I've stood there at those places. I didn't get no closer to God after standing to Calvary. I've been to Calvary. I've been to the real Calvary. I stood there in the tomb, both the traditional one and the non-traditional one. I've stood there, Golgotha, the one that is the traditional one and the one that is rejected by most of them on the outside. I've stood at many of those places. I never got no more of God. I didn't get one more ounce of the Holy Ghost by standing there. Well, what is it? It's nice to see, yes, but I'm glad I not only know where he was, I know where he is. Amen, I know where he was. I know where he was, but I'm glad I know he's right here in this building this morning and he's come to minister to us whatever we have need of. Now remember that in the presence of God, here is what we are called to do. So we're not called to please uh, the Pope or some holy man or this or that, but we are called to please the Lord Jesus. So our work is not, well, what do y'all think we should do? You think we should have a football team and maybe we should just start a soccer team and then we will call it Word of Life Soccer. Well, if we're gonna have a soccer team, the only ones I wanna play against is the devil and his demons. Okay, and I plan on beating them every time we play. I'm not interested in church football, church basketball, church soccer, church tennis, church this, that, the other. I'm interested in real church where folks come and get saved and get healed and get delivered and get filled with the Holy Ghost and get their lives changed by the power of God. I'm not against you playing basketball, but let's play it over there. Let's not play in here. When we're in here, we're not playing church. We're not playing like we're going to church. No, we're not playing. This is the real thing. We want folks to come here that they can be set free by the power of God, that their bodies can be healed. They can be delivered from habits and addictions and the Lamb of God can make them free and whom the Son has made free is free indeed. (laughs) 
Oh, as I've been looking at this and studying it, the more I look at it, the more rights I find. So I hope you don't mind hearing this. But I'd like to bring to you today, by the help of the Lord, the right of access. The right of access. Every day of our lives, most of us would be denied access into somewhere. So you go into a restaurant and you're going to eat there and then you ask where the restrooms are and they say right down there, make a left, do this, this. Well, you may pass another door and another door and there will be a sign on that door which will limit your access into that certain area. So they don't want you wandering around about the kitchen somewhere. They don't want you going over here, over there. So they'll say employees only or no admittance. So we're, we're, we're constantly everywhere we go, we see such things. How many knows that? Well, there's certain rooms here in the church that will say, now wait a minute, everybody and the brother don't belong in that room up there with all them sound boards and all them buttons and all them slides because you get up over you and your youngins and they go to push and all them, we're gonna pull our hair out on Wednesday night. So you know what we've got? We've got a lock on that door which only the brothers who need to be up there will be up there. So what is it? So admittance to everyone else is denied, right? So, and it's denied for a good reason. So it was the same with us as Gentiles at one time. We had no admittance into the presence of God. Now eventually they did make a court of the Gentiles in the temple, which was on the outside. But we had no access to a lamb or an atonement. We had no access on Yom Kippur, the day of redemption. No one took a lamb for us. No one took a goat for us because we had no admittance into the presence of God. Whenever the priest wore the ephod and he had the birthstones of the 12 tribes on this, this, that he wore upon his chest, and whenever the Spirit of God would move upon each of those stones on the Urim Thummim and the light of God would hit them, supernaturally they would start lighting up. And those stones would make a light. It was a harmonious blend of the 12 colors of stone. Now, you and I didn't have a stone on the chest of the high priest. So that meant when he walked in behind the veil, he was not representing us. We had no stone, no name, no identification. We were totally dogs. We were outside the commonwealth of Israel. Is that what the Bible says? But the Lord Jesus come to the earth that he might make both Jew and Gentile accepted in the presence of God. So that would allow us access. Access for what? Anything you need. You need salvation, you've got access. You need healing, you've got access. You need the Holy Ghost, you've got access. Now if the devil tries to stop you, you just stand there and say, look buddy, I am accepted in the presence of God. You cannot stop me from going in behind that veil. You cannot stop me from going to heaven. Anybody hearing me today? If the devil tells you you can't, you can't go, you just move him out of your way and say, you cannot stop me. I'm going to heaven. I love the Lord Jesus. I have accepted him as my savior. I have direct access into the presence of God. Turn with me to Romans chapter five, verse one. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is this important to say this in Romans 5? Remember, it's in the book of Romans where Martin Luther received the revelation of the justification by faith. 
So it's important for us to see and understand as well that we don't have peace with God because we do all these works. We are not accepted by our works, we're accepted by him. That's right. Notice in verse two, by whom also we have access. Oh, children, I hope this don't become common to us. I hope we don't live there every day of our life and take for granted the opportunity for you to be able to pray. You realize what a privilege it is for you to be able to get down on your knees or or just stand or whatever and pray? Aren't you glad you can pray? Not only pray, but God hear your prayers. And you're not praying to some idol somewhere. You're not praying to one of the 33 million gods of of the Hindu. You're not praying to Shinto. You're not praying to some of that, but you're praying to the true and the living God. And you have direct access. Notice Paul said, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Listen, what a scripture. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We have access. I will not be denied. I have access when I'm up. I have access when I'm down. I have access when I'm doing pretty good. I have access when I ain't doing so good. I have access when I'm walking where I need to be. I have access when I fall short of the glory of God. I wish somebody would preach with me this morning. I have access when I'm praying and reading my Bible and I've got victory in my life. I have access when I don't feel like praying nor reading my Bible. I still have access because I am called by God. I am chosen by God. I have been given direct access I don't come through a secretary and another secretary and another secretary. I can go straight to the man himself. I don't have to have you to call out for me. I don't have to have the governor or somebody else. But blessed are they who have direct access into the presence of God. Notice in Ephesians 2.18, Paul speaking about the Jew and the Gentile. Here he merges them together through the power of the cross. For through him, we both, Jew and Gentile, have access by one spirit unto the Father. Ephesians 3.11, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness. Now listen how you're supposed to approach it. Boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Look at the word boldness. Confidence, openly, freedom in speaking, free and fearless confidence. Free and fearless. You know, whenever people will, will, will go to pray and oh, thee, O oh Lord, thou, they say all oh, their these and their that. You honestly talk to God like that. <laughs> you know, I just talk to God the same way I talk to anybody else. He's my friend. He's my father. He's my redeemer. I don't have to take up certain Bible terminology to be able to talk to God. If I don't understand, I just go to him and tell him, Brother Jim, I just go, Lord, I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on. I'm not questioning you. I need help to understand. 
But some people feel like they have to pray. You'll watch people, they get up to pray. They put on their prayer voice. Thou most righteous, holy, gracious, divine Father. And they go through all this. You say, there ain't no way you talk to God whenever you've had a flat tire like that. Ain't no way you talk to God when your bills ain't paid. You just say, dear God, I need help. Dear God, please have a wipe it on that prayer voice when you get up before us. The Lord and all the angels know that ain't the way you talk to him. Well, you understand that we have confidence. We have access and the right of access made me admissible. Now, for whatever reason, when the brothers had the locksmith to come in here and key all these locks, they gave me a master key. There is not one door in all these buildings that I do not have access to. But everybody else don't. I can go anywhere I want. Any time I want, any night I want, and I've got the code to the security system. And I can unlock it from my phone a thousand miles away. And you're standing out there, it's in the raining, it's pouring the rain, and you can't get in. Oh, somebody contact Brother Donnie, somebody contact his brother, and remotely I can let you in. That's the way the Lord Jesus did it. He's in heaven as our high priest. But remotely, when you need help, he can let you in. Oh, glory. What does he do? Oh, hallelujah. What does he do? He gives us access in the time of need. Oh, aren't you glad you don't have to go through this protocol and that protocol? Lord have mercy. In the time of emergency, you'd be dead three times over time you got through all of it. But I'm so glad when we're in the middle of trouble, the Lord Jesus can come right on time when you need him. Praise the Lord. Notice Paul says, in whom we have boldness and access. I love this word, listen. The act of bringing to. That relationship with God whereby we are acceptable to him and have assurance that he is favorably disposed. Favorably disposed. Now notice Paul goes on and he makes another astounding statement in the last few words of this verse. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. So Paul doesn't say faith in him, but by the faith of him. Oh my goodness, you mean God's faith. So it's not just me. Watch Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Again, not faith in the Son of God, but the life I'm living, I'm living by His faith. Don't you get proud and arrogant now this morning, Lord, I got got such faith, this and the other. If you do, it's God's mercy to you. It ain't you, it ain't me, come on, saints. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself, not for you, 
But for me, this is Paul's revelation. He died for me. Remember, this man was a murderer. This man persecuted the church. But he had a revelation that God had died for him, which gave him an access into the presence of God. Look, we've been to the Pergamian church age. Today, church is filled with mental believers who endorse the virgin birth, the shed blood, going to church, taking communion, and are not reborn at all. Even so, in the third age was the same problem. Human faith wasn't enough then, and it's not enough now. It takes the very faith of the Son of God to drop into a man's heart so that he can receive the Lord of glory into the temple not made with hands. How many saved today? Well, if you really are, you know where you got it? The Lord Jesus. This was a living faith. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Paul did not say he lived by faith in the Son of God. It was the faith of the Son of God that had given him life and kept him living in Christian victory. Oh my. You know, it's no wonder that folks can't overcome. It's no wonder that folks cannot live a victorious life. They're trying to do it on their own. They're trying to do it in their own ability. Oh, I pray, I read my Bible, I fast, I pay tithes, I do this, I do this. That's not the way we approach God. We don't approach God on our worthiness. We approach him, Lord, you gave me access. And you told me whatever I ask in your name, you would do it. That's based upon your word and your promise. And the church said, let me read you something here about faith which is absolutely astounding. In an audience of people where a prayer line comes through, you'll find some will say they're all good people. We'll say there's some that's trying hard to believe it, trying to work themselves into it. Some just can't do it at all, and others, it's just by grace. It's given to them. <laughs> it's given to them. Now, there's a difference. See, that does it. That's the real revelation because faith is a revelation from God. It must be revealed first. So having access into the throne of God, and you can hear the scriptures mentally, psychologically, you believe it. I believe that's the truth. What does it do? It builds an intellectual faith. But if God ever reveals that to you, you will know if you're in the midst of trouble and you're called out by yourself. You can't get a hold of Brother Darrell. You can't get a hold of Brother Joel Brown. You can't get a hold of these other preachers. You can't get a hold of your favorite preacher and you can't get a hold of me and say, oh Lord God, what am I gonna do? Why don't you call on the name of the Lord yourself? Why don't you call on the name of the Lord? The Lord does not want you thinking that every time you've got a problem, you've gotta go through a preacher somewhere. Well, come on, church. The body, yes, we believe in the body, but aren't you part of the body as well? Doesn't the Holy Ghost flow through you the way it does through the preacher? Don't my blood flow through my fingers like it does my brain, my mouth, everything else? Sure it does. I love this in the anointing was the end time. What is faith? Faith is something that's revealed to you. Listen to this. That is not yet, but you believe it will be. It is not yet, that's what Abraham believed, but you believe that it will be. Listen to this, faith is a revelation of the will of God. So we have access and what we ask, we believe he'll do. But what do we need sometimes? 
a revelation of the will of God. Does God want me to be bound? I may believe God wants you to be all burdened down, never have no joy, no peace. Nobody? I may believe God wants you to be so bad when you come to church you can't even clap your hands, you can't worship God. Nobody? Good. I may believe God wants you to be free. I may believe God wants you to live a victorious life. All of you. Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. Is that revealed to you? Well, I mean, Brother Donnie, I believe it. I mean, the Bible says it. Yeah, sure, sure. I've got all the faith in the world. <laughs> right. The prophet said thousands of people wanted to pray for him. Many of them come across the platform. I've got all the faith in the world. Yeah, I've got all the faith in the world. I said, ain't got enough faith to dot an eye. Ain't got enough faith to even hardly do anything at all. But yet they think they do. What is it? Intellectual faith. So they read it in the Bible. Oh, sure, sure, sure. I believe that. Until somebody can come and talk you out of it. But a revelation is something that when God drops it in your heart, there ain't nobody can talk you out of it. Your favorite preacher, your mama, your daddy, your husband, your child, I don't care who it is, you'll look right at and say, glory to God, brother, I love you. I love you, sister, but it's been revealed to me. I'm made well. It's been revealed to me. Can you imagine Abraham? It was revealed to Abraham. He was gonna be the father of many nations. You all then come up to him and say, hey, Father Abraham, how many children have you got right now? Well, none, but I'm fixing to. Any day now, I'm waiting for the miracle to break loose. Did they stop him? They never stopped him. Did they slow him down? Never even slowed him down. Why? It was revealed to him and that's the true way. Hebrews 4.14. Notice the scene then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. Now, the meaning of this word is confession. Subjectively, it means whom we profess to be ours. Objectively, it means what one professes or confesses. That's why the prophet said profession and confession was the same thing. So let us hold fast our confession. Now, I wonder why in the world Paul would say that because he knew once you make a confession of faith, the devil's gonna try his best to take it away from you. How many has ever done that before? I believe the Lord done this or that or the other for me. All hell will break loose the next day, won't it? You get prayed for and boy, praise the Lord. The Lord done this and that for me. I went down to the youth camp and my, I went through that prayer line and they, them preachers laid hands on me and the Lord done something for me. I believe I'm delivered of this and that and the other and you get back home and you fight that thing harder than you've ever fought it before. Well, you say, well, what happened? That's the very best sign ever was that you got totally delivered. And Satan's gonna try his best to make you doubt it. It will only last as long as your faith lasts. How long does deliverance last? The same way salvation lasts. How long does salvation last? As long as you believe it. Well, you say, well, I got saved, but I ain't saved no more. Truly, you have fallen away from the grace of God. How long will it last? It'll last as long as you believe it's ongoing. How many believes you're saved today? How many's gonna believe you're saved tomorrow? What about next week, next year, next month, next decade, all right? As long as you believe that, it is yours forever. It makes no difference what Satan does, and it really don't make no difference what you do neither, because you're gonna fall short of the glory of God every day of your life, but by the grace of God, you'll get right up and say, Lord, forgive me, I'm sorry that I've done that. Lord, God, help me, I pray. 
give me victory over this thing in my life, Father. You keep on professing he is my deliverer. He is my savior. He is my El Shaddai. He is my Jehovah Jireh. He will not forsake me. Hold fast. Listen to this in verse 15. You're talking about an awesome scripture. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. Peter worded it and said that Jesus himself suffered temptation. How many has ever been tempted with something or multiple things and it actually caused a suffering? A suffering in your mind, a suffering in your body, a suffering in your dreams where Satan would have access into the subconscious and, and cause you to dream dreams. That was awful. Don't sit there and look at me like a bunch of angels. Why, sure he can do it. Well, you say, Brother Dolly, how in the world is he does that? Because he still has access to the subconscious. So he'll try to put things in your mind. And I wonder how many Christians sitting here today has dreamed absolutely awful dreams. And you wake up scared today. Oh God, oh God, am I a sinner? No, you ain't a sinner. It's the devil trying to take away your confession. It's the devil trying to rob you of who you are in Christ Jesus. And he's the type of guy, you've heard me say it for years, he's the type of guy that'll rob the cop, talk you into robbing the bank and call the cops on you when you're doing it. And he walks away scot-free. That's the way he does you. He'll put thoughts in your mind and say, uh-huh, you thought that. But if you know who you are and where you come from, you'll stand there and say, you're a liar, devil. That's not in my heart. That's not in my soul. I know you. You're the one who put that in my mind. Now get behind me, Satan. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus being tempted by women? If you believe your Bible, this is what your Bible says. He was tempted at all points like as we are. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus being tempted with suicide? with weakness in all points. Either it's all or it isn't all. Is it all? He was tempted in all points. Remember, when we approach him, this is one thing that gives us boldness. So when Christians make terrible mistakes, how many Christians still make mistakes? Oh, dear God, I didn't realize we had so many angels going to this church. Well, God bless y'all. Y'all look like some of them poor old mortals that I preach to all the time. Maybe I should ask it again. How many still make mistakes? Ah, oh, not as many angels as I thought. How many is ashamed of them? How many can't believe you do something so stupid? Less and less angels every time I ask. So how do you approach him when you're stupid? How do you approach him when you do something absolutely you knew better? So how do you approach him? With boldness? Confidence? Fear? Trauma? You're scared to death? Or some of us won't even talk to him because we feel so bad about what we've done, we won't even talk to him. That's the worst thing you can do. He wants you to talk to him. And remember, when you do, you're talking to someone who experienced humanity. 
listen now what Paul goes on to say in verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. What a beautiful expression. So a throne is a seat of a sovereign one. A sovereign one. And a throne of grace, its occupant is there to administer grace. Notice it's not called a great white throne. It's not called the throne of judgment. It's not called the throne of pointing the finger, but the throne of mercy. So what does this do? This gives us faith, confidence, access, that when I need it, if Donna, you have to ever ask God for mercy? I do. Sometimes I just get weary and worn and just frustrated and, you know, just worn out with life. You know what I'm talking about? I don't, I don't, I don't need to approach one who's sitting there looking at me when I come before his throne, lightning bolts comes out of his eyes and whenever he speaks, thunder comes down to there. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to run out of that throne room as fast as I can get out of there. He's going to scare me to death. Don't tell me you wouldn't do exactly the same thing. But what do I do? Sheepishly. Oh, Lord. Lord, it's me again. I know who you are. But this is the way we go. What have you done now? That's the way we picture God. What have you done now, Ben? What have you done, Phil? I don't know why in the world I ever saved you in the first place, you sorry, low-down, rotten outfit. You caused me nothing but... But if we would approach him in the right way, we would hear a voice, come closer, child. Come closer, my daughter. Come closer, my son. But Papa, I've not done good. I know that. I'm here to help you. Come here. Let me love on you. Let me put my arms around you. Lay your head like that little baby did a while ago. He just laid his little head right over next to mine. That's unusual. They're generally scared to death of me. <laughs> Lay his little old head right over there. I hope they got a picture of that. And that's the way we ought to do God. Oh, but don't even in our mistakes, especially in our mistakes. That's when we need him. That's when we need to be reminded that we have access. How many has ever lost faith from time to time? Faith for a healing, faith for this, faith. I'm not talking about totally losing your faith, but you just face so many things. You just think, God, I don't know if I can take it no more. How many has ever said it? Lord, I don't know if I can go another mile. Lord, please, I, I just don't know. And you go before the throne of God and just, God, I tell you, I just, come here, honey. Come on. You know how much I love you. You want to know how much I love you? I loved you this much. And I still do. And what do we do? We just melt like butter. We just, eh. oh, Jesus. Jesus. You know, I had two daughters. My oldest daughter, Alicia, she never did have to have many whippings. My youngest daughter, Erica. (laughs) 
She told me one time, she said, Daddy, why do you whip me so much? You whip me more than you whip Lish. I said, it's because you're meaner than Lish. But one thing I'd always try to do whenever I'd spank her, somehow or another, I'd, I never did find that scripture that some of y'all raise your kids by whenever they do something wrong and you go, one, two, three. I must have got an old-fashioned version of the Bible or something. Mine was spare the rod and you spoil your son. A child left to itself will bring shame to its mother and you better believe that's the truth. But always when I'd correct them and spank them and always wanted to seal off that spanking. Now come here, come here. Set up here on daddy's lap. But daddy wants you to know, I love you so much. I don't think I could love you anymore. If I loved you anymore, I think my heart would just burst. But that's the reason daddy spanked you. Because I do love you. Of course, you know what they do. Oh, daddy. Oh, Oh, children. We don't have a father that's sitting there waiting and looking for the opportunity to rub your name off the book. We don't have a father that's just sitting there waiting and looking under anticipation. Oh, I can't wait till they mess up. I can't wait till they mess up. He can't wait when you do mess up till you come back. Listen, Paul said, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain what? Mercy. Mercy. And find grace to help in time of need. 1 John 3, verse 20. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and know us all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Access. St. John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know he hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. So what does it do? It gives us access to the throne of God. I don't know about you, I need access for various things. Sometimes I'm sick. Sometimes I'm not physically sick, I'm just weary in my spirit. Just burdened down with the cares of life and so on, I need a different administration. But I want you to notice that Paul doesn't go through a list and list down, well, push this button for sickness, push this button for disease, push this button when you're down, push this button. But he gives us one word, one word that accesses the entire throne of God, and that is mercy. So when you're sick, you need mercy. When you're weary, you need mercy. When you're down, you need mercy. Whenever you're frustrated with yourself or with others, what do you do? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain 
mercy. So what does God do? Then God gives us access 24 hours a day. You realize how hard it is, so you go to Lowe's and you buy something and it don't work. I guess that happens to people other than me. And they leave out three screws. You've got to assemble this thing and it takes you three days to put it together. And you follow every one of them Chinese instructions as well as you can read Chinese. And then you find out they left out this washer and they left this out and that out. And if you don't have it, please call 1-800-975-0304. When you go to see all the numbers, you say forget it. And then you pick up the phone, hello, may I help you please? Hello, hello, your name, Donnie. Johnny, Tommy, Bonnie, Donnie, D, D, dot, D, D, Donnie, D, Bonnie, D. <laughs> so you try to pick it up again and say, hello, oh, hello, who is this? He said, oh Lord, it went from China to India. And then you try it again and it goes from there to the Philippines and goes from there. You have made a world tour trying to find the three boats to fix your daughter's toy that you just bought for her. You know what I'm talking about? You can't even hardly get a hold of the person no more. Oh, brother, sister, aren't you glad when we're in the middle of hell and we're fighting such battles that we don't know what to do that we can get a hold of a real person? Not a computer, not artificial intelligence, but a God that understands our language. As you know, Eric, our daughter has been taking radiation treatments on her brain. She finished them on Thursday. She didn't sleep none Thursday night. The pain was so severe. The causes can be sandostatin, a shot which she takes, radiation, or it can be being pulled off of the steroids. Started in her feet, moved from her feet up to her knees, from her knees up to her hands. Such excruciating pain, unbearable. Lance, her husband, calls Carolyn out on Friday. When y'all come by, please stop and pray for Erica. We stop when we get there. She's in the bed, hurting, grimacing look on her face. It's in her feet, in her knees, in her hands. Lance had just fed her a piece of toast. Her hands was in such pain and agony, she couldn't even hold the piece of bread herself. I'm glad I didn't get an operator in India. I'm glad I didn't have to go over here and be boosted over there and then check back with us three days later and someone will call you later. But myself, Carol, Lance, we begin to pray. One at a time, our girls come in. They start praying with us. We prayed a minute, nothing happened. We prayed five, nothing happened. We prayed 10, nothing happened. Do you know what we done? Got up and quit? Not us. That's not the way we do it. We kept on praying. And we pray, and we pray. And the Spirit of God started coming in that room where she was laid. I got up and I laid my hands up on her head and we began to praise. I'm funny, Christian. I believe that whenever you pray, you ought to change cycles and start praising him for what you just asked him for. Because I believe he's going to do it. I stepped out of her bedroom for a few minutes to go outside and do a thing or two. And whenever I come back in, we had stopped at a little place. She likes the berry bowl. Many of y'all may know what that is from a food truck. So we stopped and got her one of those bowls on the way in. And when I walked back in the bedroom, she was setting up in the bed. 
with that berry bowl in her hands, which just a little bit before could not even pick up a piece of toast. Sitting there eating, hallelujah. Why? Because we would not take no for an answer. We had a need. We had a need. And we had a God that wanted to come in there and move for her. Oh, hallelujah. Whatever your need is today, he's just as mindful of you as he was for her. Let me tell you something. We had a little gathering yesterday at our house of our family. She was able to come up. Sure, she wasn't totally 100%, and we sat her out on the porch and brought a recliner and let her sit out there, but you ought to have seen her compared to what she was the day before. Why? Because I believe our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He enforced his law on that devil and made that pain turn her loose. I believe he's gonna do the same thing with every cell of that cancer inside of her body, that he's gonna enforce his word. I believe he'll do the same for you today. You may not be dealing with cancer. It may be a a besetting sin. It may be sadness, sorrow, depression, suicide. Whatever it is, in the name of Jesus, you can be set free if you will take him at his word and believe God does not lie. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So does he move when we want him to? No, not always. Does he delay sometimes? He does. But remember, even when he's four days late, he's still on time. Don't believe me, ask Lazarus. Our God is mindful of the needs of his people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Let's just bow our heads right now. Lord Jesus, we believe these words we've heard today. We believe we have a right of access. Father, I bring these hundreds of people their needs and their petitions before you. I quote to you your word, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. Lord Jesus, you see the needs of your people. Father, whether it's sickness, disease, heartache, trouble, whatever it is, we believe right now that you're mindful Hallelujah. We know you understand our language and you know our petitions, Father. If our hearts don't condemn us, then it gives us confidence with our access that you're going to hear our prayers. It's written in your word, if any two on earth will agree as touching one thing, it shall be done. As I quoted to you your word on Friday, Where there's two or three gathered together in my name, there am I in their midst. We have hundreds gathered here today, Father. Then that tells us you're among us. Lord, you know every need, every desire, 
And Father, I don't want to just limit it to the visible audience because there's many, many more that are streaming this service around the world. I pray, Father, you'd go to their homes, their automobiles, and maybe their offices, wherever they are, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, would you bring deliverance, Lord? We thank you for access. Praise God. Just a few moments ago when we bowed our heads, no matter what was going on in heaven, no doubt heaven is so, so busy of all the things that are happening. Getting ready for the rapture. Getting ready for the resurrection. End time events getting ready to happen. All kinds of things are going on. But when the saints of God bowed their heads and started calling on your precious name, no doubt the notice rang through heaven. Everybody hold your peace. Stop talking about the rapture. Stop talking about this or that. Children have needs. Children have petitions. Lord, if we could only believe it, that we have more direct access and mean more to you than an archangel. For you never died for angels. You died for us. So we bring our needs, our desires, our petitions. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Father, would you pass through this building today and minister to the hearts of your people. Thank you, Lord. And whatever your need is, friend, just tell him, Lord, I need this. I need that. I need healing. I need, I need deliverance. Lord, I need encouragement. I've just been feeling down for the last few months and just discouraged. I need you, Jesus. Use your access. With your downcast spirit, with your saddened face, woke up before the throne of God and tell him, Lord, I need you. I need you, Lord, right now. Right now, Lord Jesus. If there's someone here that's lost, tell him, God, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. Someone who's not received the Holy Ghost, God, I've been saved, but I need power in my life. Whatever you have need of, approach him with boldness. Not as a beggar. You're not second-class citizens. Now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall see him like he is. The scripture goes on to say, for as he is, so are we in this present world. Oh, Jesus. If you don't mind, would you lay your hand over on the person standing beside you now? Believer to believer, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, believer to believer, we're asking you on behalf of our brothers and our sisters that you'd move for the needs of each other. Now, Lord, now we're not praying for ourselves, but we're praying for that individual standing by us. Lord, I know being the pastor of many of these people, they have such needs in their homes, in their lives, in their walk. Oh, Lord, 
Would you visit them, Jesus? We need you, Jesus, right now. Lord, some of them can't make it another day without your help. Lord, they can't make it till next Sunday. They need you now, Jesus. They need your touch. They need your encouragement, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, may the Spirit of God minister to your people, Lord. Satan, I adjure you in the name of Jesus Christ, come away from these people. Take your hands off of them. You're a bluff and a liar. You have no hold on us as the people of God. Depression, leave them in the name of Jesus. Sickness, leave them in the name of Jesus. Oh, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Right now. Let's just sing it. Let's believe it as we sing it. I need you, Lord. Come on, tell it. I need you, Lord. Right now. Amen, Lord. Hallelujah. I lift my hands, Lord. Bow my knees and worship at your throne. I need you, Lord. Oh, I need you, Lord. Right now. Raise your hands. Oh, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Amen. You see, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord.
Declare that you 
have done Your mercy forevermore. This is worshiping. Oh, how much He's done for all of us! He saved us when we were lost. Ready you are. I will exalt you, Lord, my God, my King, my King. Thank you, Lord God. God The heavens declare your wonders For you are great and you do marvelous things For you alone are God declare that you have done great things you have done you, O oh Lord, my God, my King. Mighty you are, holy you are, mercy endure forever. Let him hear you. Righteous will exalt you, O Lord, my God, my King. I want to sit at your feet, drink from this cup in your hand, lay back against you and breathe, feel your heart this love is so deep, it's more than I can understand. I rest in peace, it's overwhelming. The more I seek you, 
the more I find And Father, the more I find The more I love I want to sit at your feet Drink from this cup in your hand Lay back against you Feel your heart This love is so deep It's more than I can understand I rest in your peace It's overwhelming The more I seek you The more I find The more I find you, the more I love. I want to sit at your feet, drink from this cup in your hand, lay back against you, breathe, feel your heart. love is so deep it's more than I can understand I rest in your peace it's overwhelming I want to sit at your feet drink from this cup in your hand lay back against you breathe feel your heart This love is so deep, it's more than I can understand. I rest in your peace, it's
church today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 You appreciate the word of God? Amen. God is so good to us to let us hear what we get to hear. God bless you. I want you to remember service Wednesday night. Brother Aaron be with us, the Lord willing. We just come back looking for what God will have for us. I know it will be something wonderful. 
it never fails to be something wonderful, right? Somebody say praise the Lord. Shake hands with somebody around you. Greet them in the name of the Lord. Tell them you'd see them again on Wednesday night, the Lord willing. Let's sing that little song, Brother Harry. Nobody greater than Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's just sing this as we go. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. God bless you this morning. We'll get on the same page. <laughs> Nobody greater than Jesus. Amen. Nobody greater than Jesus. There's no one greater than Jesus. Oh, sweet Jesus. Sing that chorus again. There's no one greater than Jesus. So tired of oh, yes. no, no peace, peace within. within. Chains could not hold me. Oh, yes. Confused, so lonely, so shackled with sin. that coming oh yes from the other side of the sea his eyes of compassion they're piercing through me oh legion you had me bound so long but my I'll sing victory songs And there's no one greater than Jesus Oh, there's no one greater than Jesus Bless you, church. Hated, rejected by my neighbors, detested, no peace within. I was the talk of conversation, 
for my multiple relation so shackled with sin at noonday as the sun was burning down I hid my face from embarrassment from my lifestyle so bound there was Messiah sitting all the well. my story of life he began to tell I've forgiven you Samaritan I will call Oh 